Happy Sabbath. Parkwood SDA Church It's a wonderful day to be alive, even though we're in the midst of this pandemic. I want to say thank you to God for the breath of life, and thank you to our senior pastor, John Talay, for this chance to speak to you behind the sacred desk. I'm a pastor who likes to um, begin with sermon appetizers. I brought to you today three to share with you as well. The first one, stop feeling ashamed of how many times you've fallen and start feeling grateful of how many times you've gotten up. I repeat, stop feeling ashamed of how many times you've fallen and start feeling grateful of how many times you've gotten up. Maybe about 15 years ago, there was a song by the gospel artist, Donnie McKirkland, and he had a song that said, we fall down, but we get up. A saint is just a sinner who fell down, but got back up again. We have fallen in our lives, but we have a savior who can pick us back up. So please be mindful, even though we may have done some sins in our past, we have a savior who can forgive us once we ask for forgiveness and we can move forward. Our second appetizer is from the world-renowned Martin Luther King Jr. He once said, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But by all means, keep moving. I repeat, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But by all means, keep moving. I like this one because in the church setting, we all have to do our part to keep the church in function, in progress. We all have our parts to play. Some of us can do this, some of us can do that, but we all can do something to keep moving. And our last sermon appetizer is a quote that I don't know who said it, so I'll leave it as anonymous. And it says, watch your thoughts. They become your words. Watch your words. They become your actions. Watch your actions. They become your habits. And watch your habits, they become your character. Watch your character, it will become your destiny. I repeat, watch your thoughts, they become your words. Watch your words, they become your actions. Watch your actions, they become your habits. Watch your habits, they become your character. Watch your character, it will become your destiny destiny. By beholding, we become change. We're basically like clay in the hands of a potter, molding us day in and day out. The question is, who's the potter? I pray that it's the Lord Jesus Christ and not the adversary, but somebody, some power 
is the potter. And I pray it's the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we're having our Thanksgiving Day weekend. We had a good time, those of us in our houses, eating some blessed food. But now it's the Sabbath, and I thought to myself, I should preach on someone that had some thanksgiving in their heart. And I came to the man in the Bible that we all know as Zacchaeus. And so I want to read the story of Zacchaeus in the Holy Bible, Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. The Bible says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. Verse 5, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quickly come down. I must be a guest in your house today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have cheated people in their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. I want to pause today to preach on a sermon entitled, The Sycamore Significance. Let us pause for prayer. Loving Lord, we are grateful for the breath of life that you've given us. And now it's time to open your word. We ask that you will speak behind the sacred desk. Hide me behind the cross, Lord, and all those who are viewing via the internet. We pray they'll be edified and you will glorify us, Lord, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So we have this story of Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19, and most people know this story. Some say Zacchaeus the cheater. And so he used to cheat people of their taxes. And one way I tried to rationalize in my mind, uh, I remember when I was a young boy, uh, growing up in South Florida, uh, when we go on the highway, if we took, like, the turnpike, we'd have to pay a toll. And so imagine going through the toll, and the sign said uh, 
if you have two axles in, in your vehicle. So when you get to the toll booth, the person at the toll booth said, I'm sorry, I want $3. At that point, you can't call the police or you can't call anybody. You're trying to get to your destination. So you would begrudgingly give the person $3 and drive off. So that person now will keep $1 in his pocket and put the $2 into the cashier box for the city. So imagine if each car paid that person an extra dollar. There are hundreds if not thousands of cars that come through daily through that toll booth. Imagine how rich that person would become after months and years at that post. Well, Zacchaeus did something like that. He would charge more tax than what the city had provided. And he would pocket the profit. And then you would imagine when it's time to go to the mall, he'd buy the most expensive uh, togas, the most expensive uh, sandals, or whatever attire they used to wear back in those days. But the people knew of his sinful ways, and they resented him. But he didn't care because his pockets got thicker and thicker and thicker. But one day, something hit him. But I want to digress for a second here. I want us to look at this story in some other lenses. What I just described of the story and what we probably always heard of the story of Zacchaeus the cheater. But in my study, I found some other things to point out in this story. So, I want to take a look at verse number three. Take a closer look at verse number three. Where it says, he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. Point number one. The devil will try to impede your connection to Jesus by using other people. The devil will try to impede your connection to Jesus by using other people, a.k.a. the church. What do you mean, preacher? Well, some people say, I don't want to go to church because there are too many hypocrites. They talk a lot of talk during the Sabbath hours, but the way they live during the week is a whole different way of life. They're playing a game on Sabbath, but their real personality is something totally different. Someone said, how about he or she wronged me and they're supposed to be a church leader? The devil's trying to impede your connection to Jesus by using the crowd. He's trying to take your focus off of Jesus and put it on people who are sinners like you. He or she wronged me and they're supposed to be a church leader. Yes, those people should not wrong you, but guess what? Those people need Jesus as well. Some even say this, if that's what a Christian looks like, 
then I don't need to be one. They would use these reasons or excuses to remove themselves from the church. But I know we're talking about Zacchaeus, but let me make you think back at another story in the Bible. We find in the first book of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 6 through 8, a story called Noah and the Ark. A preacher once preached this years ago. I never forgot this one point he said in this sermon. He said, think of the ark as the church, the physical ark, that huge boat. Now, when Noah, his wife, their three sons and their wives, those eight people were in that ark with all those animals, hundreds of animals. And they're in the water for over 40, 40, and, uh, 40 nights over that part of period, during those times, those animals were defecating in there, probably vomiting in there, making so much noise in there, monkeys and lions, rhinoceros, all these different animals making noise in there. It probably stinks so bad in there. Why didn't Noah and his family say, it smells too bad in here, I'm going to jump out the boat? The reason they took out the boat is because the boat, the ark, represented safety and survival. It presented safety and survival. It was not perfect for them. It smelled. They saw the animals making all this fighting maybe and then all this noise. But it still represented safety and survival. What am I saying? Yes, the church we have may have its foul odors, so to speak. But in this world we're living in, it represents safety and survival. Don't let the devil think that outside the ark is safety. Outside the church is safety. No, because outside the church, the devil says, now you have no boat to help you. You're going to drown now. Think about that for a moment. So we're coming back to Zacchaeus. So as we look at verse 3, he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. The crowd was an impediment for him to see Jesus. But guess what? He also had another impediment. It shows you two things in verse 3. The other part says he was too short. Point number two. Our shortness, and put in quotes there, spiritual shortness can impede our connection to Jesus. So Zacchaeus had two problems, two main problems. He was too short, and there were too many people there. So with the part that's too short, we may have a shortness in our lives, a spiritual shortness in our lives. What does that mean? We don't have time to pray. We don't have time to read the Bible. We don't have time to tell people about Jesus. That's a spiritual shortness in our lives. Using your titles to make yourself feel tall. Some of us, because we don't have that connected with Jesus, we want to feel tall. So we use our titles. I'm a PhD. 
I'm about this and that. But guess what? You're, just because you have titles doesn't mean you're entitled. Because when it comes down to it, it's all about Jesus. He's the one who will decide who's entitled to live with him forever. Yes, for the years we're on earth here, 70 years, 80 years, maybe 100 years, you may live high and mighty. You may have a mansion or the best cars. You may have maids and butlers in your house. But what will that do? Remember what the word says in Mark 8, 36. What is the profit of man or woman to gain the whole world but lose his or her soul? Let me not lead you astray here. There's nothing wrong with a fancy house. There's nothing wrong with a fancy car. Nothing wrong with that unless those are the ends to your means. If that's your uh, end, if I get this, I have lived. No, that is a problem. There's something much more. Remember, remember when the Bible says, ears have not heard, eyes have not seen, nor has our minds conjured up what the Lord has for us. Point number two again says, our shortness spiritually can impede our connection to Jesus. Remember, Jesus humbled himself to become a human. After Adam and Eve ate that forbidden fruit and caused all humanity to be separated from the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, Christ had to come down to this earth about 4,000 years or so after they ate that fruit to come down to the earth, become a human, and to fix this problem. Paul talks about Jesus being the second Adam. Christ had to become the second Adam, meaning come to this earth without sin, but then live his life sinless as well. So he can defeat the devil. So when he came down here for these 30 plus years, the devil said, all I have to do now is just have Christ sin once and he cannot win the humanity. If he sins once, he's done. And so as you think about it, in Matthew, I believe, chapter 4, when Christ was being tempted by the devil, Ellen White says that when Christ was hungry after 40 days and 40 nights of not eating, and the devil came to him, the devil said, forget tempting anybody else on the planet. I'm going to put all my focus and energy on Jesus. Could you imagine, could you imagine if the devil said, I will tempt no one else on the earth today but you. I'm going to put all my power on you. Let's see if you can beat me. And so Christ had to use what God gives all of us to beat the devil. Christ couldn't say, I'm going to use my power as God. He had to use what God gives all of us to beat the devil. The devil came with scripture, the Christ came with scripture. And it came back and back again, and he made sure that he did not let the devil have him succumb to his temptations. You know, our spiritual shortness can become our downfall if we're not serious about having it uh, 
focus on have Jesus Christ help us to do that. You know, when I was in my study, I came up with, uh, with this uh, thought in my mind. I want you to wrestle with this as well. What's the reason why we're Christians? What's the reason why? Because some people are Christians because they're scared of hellfire. And I tell you this, that's the wrong reason to be a Christian. Why are we Christians? Because let me ask you, let me ask you this question. If there were no uh, second coming of Christ, would you still follow the principles of Christianity? Meaning don't lie, don't steal, uh, uh, don't say profanity, uh, uh, be faithful to your spouse, etc. Would you still follow those principles in the Bible if Christ weren't coming back? Meaning, are those principles worthy to follow by itself? Because here's my whole thing here. If you're a Christian only because you're scared of hellfire, when time of trouble comes, you'll be in trouble because you don't have a real walk with the Savior. The real reason to be Christian is because you love Jesus. And so what happens, by loving Jesus, heaven becomes now a perk. Becomes a perk. I hope you caught that. Yes, heaven is awesome, but what's better than heaven is knowing the Lord Christ Jesus. Because if he's not your savior, heaven will not be something you want to be. If something else is your God, your money, your looks, your possessions, your, your, your titles, your, your degrees, whatever it is, if something else is your God, then you will not enjoy heaven or new earth because we will be worshiping God. And that will be a problem for you. So what's the real reason you're a Christian, I ask? I hope it's because you love Christ. Christ is the root word in Christian. I hope it's because you love Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And as I just quoted John 3.16, I want to talk about that verse as well. Think about this for a moment. That's the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16. But years ago, I had an epiphany on that verse. And I probably shared it with you maybe last year or so behind the sacred desk. I want to share it again for those who probably weren't here or maybe who have forgotten it. That verse also says, if you read it, because there are some other religions that teach that if you are not saved, you will burn in hell forever. That verse teaches the other teaching, that you will not burn forever. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth shall not perish, 
but have everlasting life, which means whosoever does not believe shall perish and not have everlasting life. So because here's, here it is, people. The only way to burn in hell forever is to be alive forever. You cannot burn in hell forever if you're dead. You have to be alive in hell fire forever, to burn forever. So it's saying here, you will not. But yes, there will be the hell fire experience. But once you perish, you perish. So this verse that's the most famous in the world tells us that hellfire is not forever. It is true. It will happen for those who are not with Jesus, but it's not forever because God is still a loving God. Even in your destruction, he's still loving. He's still loving. And you say, but why must you perish if you're not with Jesus? Because you will not have any joy in heaven or the new earth because everyone will have Jesus as their God. That's the point. And, 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 I, and how else can you understand that? One way I, I, I say it, I, I, because uh, some of you know, I love sports, and I have one team that I'm a big fan of. And that team is called the Buffalo Bills. And I'm from, I was born in New York, but I'm really from Miami. So Miami has its, its rival team, the Miami Dolphins. Those two teams are rivals. So imagine me living in Miami, and the owner says, Marlon, we have, a, we have a banquet for the Miami Dolphins honor. Please come, all expense paid. We'll pick you up in a limo. You have velvet uh, uh, ropes. You have everything catered to you. Just come for an evening of, to celebrate all the Dolphins of past who are still alive. Dan Marino, etc., all the people. I would tell the, the, the Miami Dolphins owner, I respectfully decline, but thank you for the invitation. Why? Because I don't want to be in a party with those guys. Because I have, none, I have nothing in common with them. My loyalty is to a team. But what if, but what if the Dolphins owner sent some bodyguards to physically take me and put me in that limo and bring me to that party, give me all the best things they have? I, I, I would be trapped there for the whole banquet waiting when can I go back home to watch some Buffalo Bills highlights? When can I go back home? I'm sitting for the whole party. So why do I bring, bring up this example? Because that's what it's like. If God says, hey, I have a party for you that will last forever, but I'm the one that everybody will be looking at. But the thing about it is you have to be on my team for this. If you love someone else, meaning your money, your looks, your cars, your titles, and it's not the Lord Jesus Christ, and you're forced to go to heaven and a new earth, you'll be waiting. When will this be over? Because I want to worship. I want to be with what I want myself. That's not who I want to root for. That's why in the love that God has, he allows you to be put to death because you cannot be forever burning and he has those who are saved having a good time in the new earth and you're still burning forever. And we know someone who in our lives is burning. That was not what God's plan was. As a matter of fact, 
The Bible says in Matthew 25 that it was never even God's desire for anyone to burn in hell. It was just for the devil and his demons. God's word said, hellfire was, 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 uh, was prepared for the devil and his demons. The problem is some people are going to go with the devil in that fire because they choose not to use Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And so we have, so we're looking at here, Zacchaeus. He was a guy, I chose him because he was a guy who had thanksgiving in his heart. First, he was a bad guy, ripping off his people with their taxes. But then he had an aha moment. Let's look here at verse 4. And verse 4 I have entitled, as our last point, the sycamore significance. Verse 4 says, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. So Zacchaeus finally put his priorities in order. He climbed the sycamore tree regardless if his clothes were damaged, those expensive clothes, regardless if his uh, sandals were torn because now he put his priorities in proper order. His old priorities was for people to see his riches, but his new priority was for him to see Jesus. And that's what we have to get to. Once again, people, there's nothing wrong with having good things, nice clothes, nice house, nice cars. Nothing wrong with that unless that's your main goal. Because if that's your main goal, then Mark 8.36 is for you. What is the profit of man or woman to gain the whole world but lose his or her soul? So when Jesus came to his house, he was so thankful. He told Jesus, you know what? I'm so sorry for what I did. I'm going to repay back four times what I stole from people. He was so thankful. So he went to my life of doing things opposite Jesus to now doing things for Jesus. And sometimes we have that problem too. And we say, Lord, help us to have that sycamore significance. At some point in our lives, we must face that sycamore tree and say, Lord, I'm going to put my priorities in proper place. And that's what he did. That's what I hope we can do as well. And so, you know, there's a song called I've Got J-O-Y Joy. So the way you spell joy is J-O-Y. So I have it this way. J, Jesus first. O, others second. Y, yourself last. So J-O-Y, Jesus first. Others second, yourself last. That's how you experience joy in this life. How do I know that? Put Jesus first and he will honor you. Humble yourself and he will raise you up. If you boast yourself up, he will humble you. 
put yourself last and let Christ lift you up. Because if you put yourself first, then Christ has to put you down because you don't have your priorities in the right place. Think about the, the sycamore significance. Zacchaeus was living a life contrary to what Jesus was preaching. But then he had an epiphany in his mind. He had that sycamore significance. He found that tree and said, aha, I get it. Put Jesus first. I must see Jesus. Climb that tree, making holes in that robe or that toga. He didn't care anymore. And then think about this. When you, put the, when you put Jesus first, think about this for a moment. He climbed that tree, sat on a branch. All those people who were walking around with Jesus, Christ was walking with them, and when he got to that tree, of, think about it, all those people touching Jesus, whatever, he didn't stop for them, but when he came to the tree, he stopped, looked up, said, Zacchaeus, Come down quickly. I must go to your house today. All those people around him, they didn't make a difference to make Christ stop for them. They had their own reasons why they were there. Ulterior motives to why they were there. They're there for selfies. They're there for other things. But Zacchaeus was like, I want to now change my priorities to see Jesus. And that made Christ stop. Because Zacchaeus put Jesus first. And Christ wants to stop at your house too. But to make Christ stop, you have to stop doing things your own way. Put him first. Pray with your family. Read the word. Give thanksgiving. Let the house be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't go to bed being upset with your spouse or your children. Fix your household by the power of the Holy Ghost. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. We believe that we will, that we will wake up in the morning, but it's not a guarantee. It's not a guarantee, but we believe because we're, we're healthy, etc. But it's no guarantee. Do not go to bed upset with your spouse or your children. Because when, when you do that, the devil reigns in that household. The young people would say when I was young, squash the beef is not worth it. Jesus first, others second, yourself last. The sycamore significance. As you are in your house, wherever you are watching this sermon or hearing it somewhere, it's appeal time. Take some time to talk to the Lord right now. Say, Lord, help me find the sycamore tree in my life. Help me make sure that you will stop 
when you come by that tree. And how will you stop? Because I have put you first. The devil tries to mess our minds up and say, church, it's not that big a deal. But Lord, it's a big deal. We come together with like-mindedness with you as our Lord and Savior. Even you, Jesus, showed us the way in Luke 4, 16, which said, each day you went to the synagogue, each Sabbath day went to the synagogue and worshipped. There's something special about being together in church on the Sabbath day. Of course, we're going through this pandemic and we have to do the church via Zoom or via YouTube or whatever it is. But Lord, help us find that sycamore significance. So now I pray this appeal prayer. Lord Christ Jesus, we read your word today. We tried to expound upon it. But now it's up to us to say, Lord, help us live it. May we understand the sycamore significance to put our priorities in proper order, which are Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. And that way, you will see us as your own, and you'll be able to uplift us because we have put ourselves last. We have humbled ourselves. And I pray upon all Parkwood members, those who are not members who are watching via the internet, everyone, Lord, may they read your word, pray to you, and share to others about you. And when you come again, you can say those two words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. This is our prayer. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Have a wonderful Sabbath day and a wonderful week. Until next time.